Welcome to Faith Westwood's worship service. My name is Holly Timberlake. I'm the director of adult and family discipleship. One of the things that I love about Faith Westwood is we are a generational church. We welcome everyone and everyone is included from the youngest to the oldest. We are so happy that you are here with us today. During this worship service, we will have music, a children's message with Miss Leah, and Pastor Steve will conclude the sermon series, Be Weak, Be Strong, Be Long, with Examine Yourself. Now take a moment, take a deep breath, and prepare yourself for worship.
Good morning, boys and girls. Miss Leah here. I'm so glad you could join us today. Remember, no matter where you are, you are exactly where God wants you to be. Have you ever disagreed with someone and all you could do is focus on what they were doing wrong or how wrong they were? I'm sure we've all done that. I know I have. So I brought something with me today to help us remember what we can do when that happens again. I brought this board with me today and on one side I wrote my problems and mistakes the things I've done wrong. On the other side I wrote, your problems and mistakes, the things you've done wrong. And I'm gonna hold this up in front of my eyes. What am I focusing on? Am I focusing on my own problems? My own mistakes? Nope. All I can see from this side is your problems or mistakes. But that's not how Jesus wants us to live. Jesus wants us to look at our own problems first and focus inward so that we can learn from them. He wants us to be 3D kids, deep, daring, and daily disciples of Christ. So when we look at our own problems first, we look inward, we can learn from those mistakes instead of judging others for their mistakes and problems first. So this week, I want you to talk to your family about maybe when you have looked at the wrong side of the board and how you can turn that around and look inward and learn from your own mistakes. After children's time, be sure to check out the links to have Sunday school at home today. They're on the Faith at Home page at faithwestwood.com or you can find them in the email that I sent out this morning too. So until next time, may the Lord bless you and always smile upon you. And all God's kids said, Amen. Advent begins next Sunday, November 29th. And we want to make Advent as easy as one, two, three to celebrate with your family. So here's three opportunities for your family during Advent. The first opportunity we have is the Family Advent Devotion Box, and it is filled full of faith-building activities for your family to do during Advent, including the book, The Donkey in the Living Room, which we're going to be reading from each Sunday during children's time. The second Advent opportunity is called The Manger Project. And it's where you can pick up a kit that has all the pieces in it and the directions for your family to build their own manger. We're going to build it and then we're going to fill it. Each day during Advent, we're going to add a non-perishable food item to the manger that we're going to give away to the FaithWorks Pantry after Christmas is over. So build it, fill it, and give it away. After Christmas is over, we can drop off all those non-perishable food items at the church in a designated tub. And both the Manger Project and the Advent Devotion Box are going to be available for pickup on November 28th, it's a Saturday, from 12 to 1.30 p.m. The third Advent opportunity goes along with the book that I'll be reading each Sunday for children's time, The Donkey in the Living Room. This is a really fun book and I can't wait to share it with you. If you want to unwrap the Christmas story along with me each Sunday, I invite you to go find your nativity set and some wrapping paper 
and wrap up each piece separately. And then I'll tell you what to do on Sunday when we start reading The Donkey in the Living Room. Those are the three opportunities coming up for Advent. It's that easy. I hope you all have a great Thanksgiving, and I hope to see you on Saturday, November 28th from 12 to 1.30 to pick up your Advent devotion in a box and the Manger Project, too. I can't wait. I'll see you again next week. Bye. Today's scripture reading is from 2 Corinthians 12, 19-21, and 13, 5-10. Have you been thinking all along that we have been defending ourselves to you? We have been speaking in the sight of God as those in Christ. And everything we do, dear friends, is for your strengthening. For I am afraid that when I come, I may not find you as I want you to be. And you may not find me as you want me to be. I fear that there may be discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. I am afraid that when I come again, my God will humble me before you, and I will be grieved over many who have sinned earlier and have not repented of the impurity, sexual sin, and the debauchery in which they have indulged. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. And I trust that you will discover that we have not failed the test. Now we pray to God that you will not do anything wrong, not so that people will see that we have stood the test, but so that you will do what is right, even though we may seem to have failed. For we cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. We are glad whenever we are weak, but you are strong, and our prayer is that you may be fully restored. This is why I write these things when I am absent, that when I come, I may not have to be harsh in my use of authority. The authority the Lord gave me for building you up, not for tearing you down. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everybody. Yesterday we had our annual Thanksgiving bag giveaway, and I'm recording this on Friday, so I don't know exactly how it went. But I do know that on Wednesday evening, our middle and high school students, they put on masks, they kept their distance, and they filled nearly 300 bags. And then for Saturday, we had uh, 35 volunteers lined up, not only wearing masks, but for extra protection. Each one of them also wore a clear plastic face shield. And I just want to say thank you, Faith Westwood. Uh, Thank you for giving. Thank you for serving and praying. Because all those bags mean that about 1,500 people uh, will be giving heartfelt thanks to God this week because of you and that is reason to rejoice one more thing next sunday advent begins and we have a daily devotional book for you it's written by a united methodist pastor that i'm acquainted with right here at our great plains conference and written by him and his wife jordan and megan mcfall that's called picking up the pieces tomorrow uh, morning when you get your faith connect email You'll see a link in there if you'd like to have a copy mailed to you. We also have some inside the outer doors at the west entrance of the church building. And you can go there anytime to pick one up. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we just want to tell you that we're tired. Uh, We are weary of this pandemic. And sometimes we feel worn down because of it all and because of all we've lost. So Lord, in our weakness, 
be our strength. And this week especially, give us hearts of gratitude as we face these hardships with faith and hope. Give us wisdom as we navigate all of the risks. And now, Lord, we open our hearts and we're to your word and your spirit. Speak to us. We pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord, and all God's people said, Amen. Parents, if you have more than one child, then you know that each one is unique. Even when they're babies, each one is different. One is easygoing, another is more demanding. One sleeps through the night, the other takes only short naps. One gets hungry often, and another can go longer between feedings. And I think it's probably still true when they're in high school, all those things. Also, every family is unique, right? Each family has its own weirdness. Uh, you know in your family which topics can be talked about safely and which ones would disturb the peace. And the same is true with churches. Every church is unique. Since I started as a pastor in 1981, I've had five appointments. Each one had its idiosyncrasies. Sometimes I describe Faith Westwood as a medium-sized church in a big city with a small-town feel. And you, you as an individual, are unique. I never say very unique because the word unique says it all. You are one of a kind. You will spend a lifetime getting to know yourself, trying to understand yourself. You know, I think that's a big part of gaining wisdom, is getting to know yourself. I'm still learning. I'm learning what motivates me and what doesn't, what I'm feeling and why, how to take care of myself, what I need, how I need to think differently about things. Today's title is Examine Yourself. Examine Yourself. It's also the last Sunday in our series, Be Weak, Be Strong, Be Long. Uh, since September 13th, we've been walking through the Apostle Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. You know, as we've been going through this, somehow it's been strangely comforting to know that this Corinthian congregation was so messed up. They had so many issues and problems. And, and it somehow comforts me to know that having issues and problems is bound to happen. And to know that when they do have, when those kind of things happen, we just have to work through them. Part of the Corinthian problem was that uh, many in the family of believers had, been, had begun saying that Paul was no longer good enough for them anymore. As an apostle, he didn't, he didn't measure up to their expectations. Well, that left Paul in the awkward position of trying to get them to realize that they're looking in the wrong direction. Instead of pointing the finger at him, they needed to look back at the three fingers pointing back at themselves. They needed to do some self-examination. He, he doesn't want to defend himself. He doesn't want to accuse them. He wants to, he wants to help them, even though they, th they think he's the one with the problem. Here's what it says in, he says in chapter 12, verse 19. Have you been thinking all along that we have been defending ourselves to you? We have been speaking in the sight of God as those in Christ, and everything we do, dear friends, is for your strengthening. So he says he's not trying to make himself look better. He's trying to help them. 
Paul writes this letter shortly before he leaves for his third visit to Corinth. And it seems he's a little nervous about it. They might be nervous too. It's kind of like being a parent. And, uh, you know, you, sometimes you'd like to have a pleasant, harmonious relationship with your children, but sometimes the situation doesn't allow it. Sometimes you have to be the, the parent who enforces the consequences. And they don't know that you do that because you love them. Paul says, For I am afraid that when I come, I may not find you as I want you to be, and you may not find me as you want me to be. It's up to you, he's saying, Corinthian Christians, do you want me to be the gentle apostle or the stern apostle? How you behave is going to determine what you get. He knows these people, they've had troubles in the past. He's written to them about these troubles before. And he's concerned that maybe they have not really turned their backs on these behaviors. So he says, Here's what I'm afraid I'm going to find when I get there. I fear that there may be discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, slander, gossip, arrogance, disorder. I looked up uh, the original Greek words for each of these. Discord means stirring up trouble. Jealousy means envying others and carrying on bitter rivalries. Fits of rage means you've got a bad temper that quickly boils over. Selfish ambition means creating a win-lose situation with others. Slander comes from a word that could be literally translated bad-mouthing. Gossip creates a word picture of whispering behind someone's back. Arrogance creates a word picture of inflating or puffing oneself up. Disorder means creating confusion and instability. So, when you look at that list, do any of them strike home with you? Would someone say you have a habit of one of these? Paul's afraid of what he might find going on among Jesus' people in Corinth. He might be thinking, haven't you learned anything? Moms and dads, do you ever look at your kids' behavior and say to yourself, I have failed as a parent? Same thing happens with pastors. We sometimes look at the behavior of, of our people and think, I have failed. It can be very humbling. So in verse 21, Paul says, I'm afraid when I come again, my God will humble me before you, and I will be grieved over many who have sinned earlier and have not repented. What if he comes and finds that they're still conforming to the values of the world rather than being transformed by Christ? Paul's going to think, oh no, I have failed as an apostle. I have failed to get through to them. And he will be deeply humbled and he will grieve over them. As an ancient Jew, when you grieved, it wasn't just a, a private inner emotion like we would call it today. You uh, outwardly demonstrated your grief. Bible scholar N.T. Wright says he can imagine Paul changing out of his normal clothes and putting on a tunic made of rough material called sackcloth, and then also sprinkling some ashes on his head, because this is how a Jew mourned. And like a prophet, 
Paul might keep doing this until they once again pursue holiness in Christ. And what other kinds of sins is he afraid they will not have repented of? Verse 21 says, He's afraid they will not have repented of impurity, sexual sin, and debauchery in which they have indulged. Impurity is a word that could be translated uncleanness, but it's not talking about forgetting to take a bath. In this case, it's an attitude of not pursuing a holy life, not seeking to live a life that is worthy of the gospel. And he wants them to repent of their sexual sin. And the Greek word here is porneia, which refers to all sexual intimacy outside of marriage. Now, it's not popular to say that today, but in, you know, the United Methodist Church officially affirms that understanding of sexual sin. And then Paul builds to a crescendo when he says that he wants them to repent of debauchery. Even if you don't know the word, what the word means, it sounds bad, doesn't it? The Greek word points to an unbridled, anything-goes sexual lifestyle. Now, it's one thing to commit these sins. You, sins. you can repent and seek forgiveness and be forgiven. It's another thing to willfully continue in those sinful behaviors with no intention of stopping. And that's what he fears is going on. Jesus once told his disciples that he wanted them to be the salt of the earth. He also warned them about turning into salt that loses its flavor. If we're going to uh, enhance the flavor of the world around us, then we have to be different than the world around us. Jesus never said it would be easy. He said following him sometimes is going to be carrying your cross every day. But as Jesus' people, we know, we believe, this is the path of life. So, what, what do these Corinthian Christians need to do? Uh, now we go to chapter 13, and we'll pick it up at verse 5. Paul begins by saying, examine yourselves. Let me suggest that there are four kinds of persons who come to church, whether we're meeting online or in person. The first kind I'll call the transformers. This is someone who knows and loves Jesus and is seeking to be transformed daily to become more like him. Sometimes they fail and they sin. Uh, they may be blind to some of their sins, but when they do recognize them, they repent. And they trust in Jesus' grace to help them start over. The second kind I'll call uh, compartmentalizers. This is someone who believes and belongs to Jesus, but there are areas of their lives they compartmentalize from the faith. They seal it off from the Lord, and they refuse to trust and obey. The third kind I'm going to call the moral soloists. This is someone whose moral choices may not be that much different than the compartmentalizers. They may think of themselves as pretty decent, upstanding people. They go to church. Maybe they have for years. I call them soloists because they do not belong to Jesus by faith. They may admire him. They may like church music. They may agree with a lot of what Jesus said, but it's all from a distance. They don't know Jesus on a personal level. He's not their Lord and Savior. 
He does not live within them because they're still running their life solo. And the fourth kind I'll call the immoral soloist. This is someone, someone who has very little moral restraint. They're going to live the way they want and nobody's going to tell them otherwise. If they come to church, which can happen sometimes, it's to make business contacts or because they enjoy the people and the coffee and donuts, or maybe it's part of a deal with their spouse. Or maybe they think it, it absolves them of the things they do. Um, I've talked to people from all four groups who have attended Faith Westwood. Now I hold up those four categories for you like a mirror. And like Paul, I say, examine yourselves. Where are you? Who are you? Let's go on to see what Paul says to the sisters and brothers in Corinth. Verse 5. He says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. Paul knows that there are some in the church family who are what I've been calling soloists. Jesus is not in them. If they examine themselves accurately, they will fail that test. All this time they've been accusing Paul of failing to be the kind of apostle they want, but Paul's ready to show them that he will use his full apostolic authority if he needs to. Verse 6, and I trust that you will discover that we, meaning Paul and his associates, have not failed the test, the test of apostleship. And think about how absurd it is for them to accuse Paul and say that he is ineffective as an apostle when they wouldn't even know about Jesus if it weren't for him. But you know, if he had to choose, he'd rather be seen as a failed apostle if it meant that they passed the test of being transformer Christians. And I think that's what he's getting at in verse 7. He says, now, now we pray to God, we pray to God that you will not do anything wrong, not so that people will see that we have stood the test, but so that you will do what is right, even though we may seem to have failed. I mean, what's Paul going to do, right? Tell them that, yeah, it's okay to sin? Tell them that it's okay to compartmentalize their lives? He can't do that. He's not going to do that. So he says in verse 8, We cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. Paul suspects, I'm sure, that some of them used to seek a transformed life, but now they've slid into compartmentalism. So in verse 9 he says that regardless of how people look at him, he's praying they will be restored. We are glad when, whenever we are weak, but you are strong. And our prayer is that you may be fully restored. And my purpose today is not, a, not to point a finger at you. I can't do that without pointing three back at me. My purpose is to lead us all into a transformed life. My purpose is to build you up as deep, daring, daily disciples. And that's the purpose of Paul's letter to the sisters and brothers in Corinth. In verse 10 he says, That is why I write these things when I am absent, that when I come, I may not have to be harsh 
in my use of authority. The authority the Lord gave me for building you up, not tearing you down. So today, I invite you to examine yourself. No one can do it for you. Who are you? Where are you? Are you a transformer? A compartmentalist? A moral soloist? Or an immoral soloist? And if you're not the first one, if you're not a transformer, let today be the day to let God change that. I'd like to lead us now into a time of guided prayer. Feel free to close your eyes, um, look out the window, or gaze at the image on the screen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you know how easy it is for me to cave in to the pressure or just get lax and lazy. I have found myself sliding from a transformer disciple into a compartmentalized Christian. Sometimes I do it and don't even realize it. Now I invite, I ask you to invite the Holy Spirit to reveal to you areas of your life that you have compartmentalized away from God's word and will. Jesus, my Savior, I call on you to fully restore me. Put my feet on the path of life. And now tell Jesus that you're ready to repent. Ask him to forgive you. Tell him that you're willing to trust and obey him in all things. O oh God, our kind Father, if I am still going through this life solo without you and without the Savior you sent me, I want to change that today. Jesus, live in me. Let your transforming work begin in me. And now, reach out to Jesus in faith and welcome him into your life. Ask Him to live in you and fill you with the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. Before I go, uh, for those of you connecting here this morning on Facebook, I want to toss out a question, and I hope you'll participate. Uh, feel free to respond also to the comments of others, and we can hopefully we'll have a little interaction. Here's the question. What's one blessing, small or large, you have received this month you'd like to thank God for? Think about that. Hopefully it won't be too hard. One blessing, small or large, this month.
So that's the question. Uh, let's see how many comments we can get going. See you next Sunday.
when I think about an exam, I get stressed out and nervous. Um, I would encourage you this week to take a moment and say a simple prayer to God. How am I doing? We ask you to stop by faithwestwood.com forward slash service, fill out a connection card, give us your prayer requests. You can also give to the, your main offering to help make Deep Darien Daily Disciples. And our mission offering this week is for the Thanksgiving bag giveaway. That was yesterday, and this will help offset those additional costs of completing that mission. We encourage you to have a great week. We invite you back next week as we will begin Advent, and we will start talking about picking up the pieces.